It's the game we love. Welcome back, baseball. Welcome back. It's time for the two greatest words, play ball. Mariners baseball makes its glorious return on opening day, Thursday, March 28th, versus the Red Sox, with pregame festivities starting at 3.30. It's part of a four-game set against Boston through Sunday the 31st. Get tickets at Mariners.com. Mariners baseball, true to the blue. Countdown to opening day. Brought to you by Crazy Moose, Mount Lake Terrace, Washington Gold Casino. The home of the Mariners. 710 ESPN, KIRO AM Seattle. KIRO FM HD2 Tacoma. This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome into Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday. Stacy, Curtis, we, we've we've kind of been on, on the jet li- jet set lifestyle yeah, for the last couple we've of all weeks. Been in and out, yeah, the yeah. Office. Uh, I you were down in Cabo. Mm-hmm. Jake was in Dallas doing some Elite Eleven quarterback camp training. Coincidentally, what I was yeah, doing exactly. Like you guys were comparing notes the entire yep. time. Uh, I was down in Peoria. Jake was in. Last night with you. Yes. You were back. I was not back yet. I'm back. Jake is now out. Yeah. But you're in. And the best part is that last night I was pitching that you would be back Wednesday. Oh, man. So, so it's we've, a surprise. We've thrown everybody for a loop here. No but... one knows what's happening. <laughs> well, now they know. Or maybe they're in for another surprise tonight. <laughs> You're just going to have to stay tuned for that. But the Coors Light text line is there for you, 710-710, if you've got something on your mind. The Coors Light text line is there for you. You can also tweet at us, at a kid from Kent, at Stacy Rost on Twitter. 280 characters at your disposal. Use them wisely. Uh, but Stacy moves in the NFL going a mile a minute. or A lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them. We're going to get to the most important ones uh, today, including one that involves the Seahawks, or at least someone who they didn't keep, or I don't know if they chose to let him walk or if he found a better offer, but uh, that's going to bring us to tonight's timeline right here on Seattle Sports at Night. And uh, Stacy, J.R. Sweezy, he is on his way to Arizona. Reportedly signing with the Cardinals. Do we have numbers on that deal yet? I don't believe we have the numbers quite yet, but NFL Network reports that it is a two-year deal. Uh, in, I mean, he's on the other side of 30, coming off of his first healthy season in a while. I don't know. How do you feel about J.R. Sweezy on his way to the Cardinals? Yeah, this one uh, I think is a bummer for Seattle. I, I had... J.R. Sweezy, DJ Fluker, and then Justin Coleman as the top three kind of targets for trying to to re-sign them and keep them for next year. Um, And I thought that, uh, especially with the step forward that the offensive line took, you want to make sure to keep one or preferably both of those guards. Um, So I also kind of thought that it would be easier to keep both of them over Justin Coleman because they both expressed um, that they really love it here in Seattle. Uh, and 
came here to revamp their careers. And so, yeah, that was that was a bummer. Now we wait and see if the Seahawks will address that guard position in free agency. Uh, DJ Fluker's still out there. Maybe they look at it in the draft. Who knows? Maybe Jamarco Jones is an option on that offensive line. Jermaine Effetti has history playing at the guard position. Jordan Simmons, Jordan well. Simmons as well, who Most filled in very admirably uh, at a couple of times in the season, but he also has a very lengthy injury history. And limited uh, playing time. Exactly, exactly. So uh, it'll be – I'm excited to see where they're going to go, and I think I've got a little more faith in how this offensive line is going to perform next season because Tom Cable's not there. And Mike Solari is, and Solari, just in one season, turned so much of that offensive line from sort of spare parts into a, a unit that was respectable uh, by all sorts of measurements in the NFL. It was not an embarrassing black hole that it was when Tom Cable was here. But uh, NFL free agency continues. The Seahawks waiting it out. The legal tampering period ends tomorrow, and teams are they are officially able to sign the players that they have agreed to terms with. But so far, the Seahawks, they've agreed to terms with just one guy, Akeem King, who is expected to challenge for Justin Coleman's spot. But that also doesn't include the franchise tag that they've they've handed over to Frank Clark. They have until July 15th to get that one uh, settled out. But the Seahawks right now, waiting it out. Yeah. Taking, taking the easy yeah, yeah. kind of route. Not easy route. Actually, I take it back. They're playing it low-key. And I feel like that's in line with how they've been doing things lately. It's like Jake and I were talking about without you. No offense. Yeah, I'm, I mean, <laughs> conversation's got to continue. But it, it's been a while since they've made those big moves. Like, I know that people always like to say, well, John Schneider isn't afraid to take risks. Look at Jimmy Graham and look at Percy Harvin and... Uh, Sheldon Richardson, but it's been a while, and it's not that uh, they don't take risks, but I think they're kind of changing an approach, and their approach to free agency has been a conservative one, and so I think that's why people are expecting them to do that. So I think the hope is that you get another Bradley McDougal this year, or another guy like a Justin Coleman, who granted was acquired via trade, but someone that you bring in a little bit under the radar, and then you bring them up in your own system, and they're able to shine there. I believe last year's first free agency move the Seahawks made was Barkevius Ming. Go, which yes. was not a move that I think a lot of people were like, oh, thank God Barkevius Mingo's here. I'm trying to think if there's a move from last free agency that kind of not ruffled the most feathers. A way to say that, but positively. Got got the people most Peaked excited. the most interest. Peaked the most interest. And I can't. I mean, I mean, a lot of them, they were all interesting things. People were curious about them. There weren't any bad moves. Um, but, yeah, I think it took a while for people to, to learn about these guys and get excited. Uh, one team, though, that has not waited out free agency, that has dove headfirst into all sorts of transactions, the Cleveland Browns, who they brought in Sheldon Richardson earlier today on the defensive line, gave him a three-year deal. They signed Olivier Vernon after he was released by the Giants. They've signed uh, Kareem Hunt this offseason. season. Mm-hmm. Uh, running back who was let go midseason by the Chiefs after that domestic violence incident. But then today, the Browns go out and add maybe the most polarizing figure in all of football, and that is Giants, or well now ex-Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who now pairs up with his former college teammate Jarvis Landry uh, in that wide receiver core. The package the 
Browns are giving the Giants in return are their 2019 first-round pick, which is 17th overall, a third-round pick, and also safety Jabril Peppers, who's likely going to fill the spot left by the departure of Landon Collins. I don't know if this story is more about what the Browns acquired or what the Giants gave up. You look at what the Giants have lost over the last two days. Three-time All-Pro Landon Collins is only 25 years old. Mm -hmm. Odell Beckham also only 25 years old. I mean, they got quite a bit for him. But again, you gave up one of your star players. And you gave up someone that could have been uh, a bargaining chip for bringing in a new quarterback or for bringing in uh, a new rookie should you draft one this year. Absolutely. And then you also gave him a giant... Uh, extension last year. Now the Brown or now the Giants are forced to carry around, I believe, it's sixteen million dollars in dead cap money next year. Like, what were you thinking, giving him that large extension if you knew the route you were going to take is a rebuild? Meanwhile, the Browns add a legit offensive weapon to pair with all the other offensive weapons they've got: Baker Mayfield at quarterback, Nick Chubb at running back, Kareem Hunt also at running back. Uh, you've got Jarvis Landry. Uh, Odell Beckham, Antonio mm-hmm. Callaway, David Njoku. I'm really curious to see what they're like, but here's the thing. It, it's just that every year it never yeah, works out. it's Cleveland. It's, it's a team that I think that any fan from any other NFL team would would be fine rooting for the Browns. If they somehow made it to the playoffs, I think people, just because they love chaos, would be like, let's go. Yeah. I don't care if my team's not in it. But the problem is every year they have a top pick. Or, or top five, say. Um, they have plenty of cap room because they're struggling and they don't have big stars they're retaining, and somehow they aren't able to bring it together. So I'm a little more optimistic this year, a little more curious, but I don't know. I've been that way before. I feel like if the Browns do have success, they are in a very ripe territory to become a loathed franchise, to become a villainous franchise. What? Because no, it takes too long I'll, to do that. I'll tell you why. Baker Mayfield is a guy that... Like him or not, he can rub people the wrong way. I think he's more charming than not. Mm. I used to really not like him, but I think if you watch 30 seconds of video, you're like, all right. Odell Beckham is a guy that I think a lot of fans got tired of in New York. Kareem Hunt has a lot of baggage with him. I think those three guys right there, I think some NFL fans could be out on. But Cleveland hasn't had success in so long that I feel like any amount of success that they have, if they get to 9, 10 wins this year, uh, they're going to be the darlings of the NFL world. Yes. But also how get- long does that Exactly. Last? I think it lasts for a while. Come on. I mean, the NFL is it is so fast-moving. We could see Cleveland two years from now, you know, either in the Super Bowl or back down to a four- or five-win team. Uh, that's that's where I see the Browns right now. I think they have a, a very real chance of being competitive this season. Uh, but if they do win, there's also that that heel turn that uh, is a when's it going to happen? Yeah, when are they? When are going they the to... 2004 Patriots? Mm, well, who exactly. didn't win? But who? The point is that they had by then kind of been dominant in only three years. Exactly. Also uh, on the timeline today, Russell Westbrook, he gets into it with a heckler at a Utah Jazz game. That heckler has since been banned from the Jazz home arena. Was Westbrook in the right for what he did and what he said in response to that heckler? We'll get into that a little bit later tonight. Also, the Mariners concluding their Cactus League schedule tomorrow. They're going to trim their roster down to 28 players that they take to Tokyo 
A lot of injuries hitting that organization over the last couple of days. Kyle Seeger yesterday getting word that he's going to miss the season's first month with uh, hand surgery on that left hand. Uh, Hunter Strickland, don't know if he's going to make the trip to Japan. Malik Smith, he's not going to make the trip to Japan. Uh, three guys who they're counting on big in 2018 or in 2019, I should say, uh, might not be making it. And then also some small roster news today, Dustin Ackley. Don't sell it short. I mean, I included it for a reason. You did. He he gets released today by the Mariners organization. Uh, he will not be a part of them, at least uh, right now. He'll they always could be a part of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> unfortunately that's true. You can't tell the history of the Seattle Mariners organization without mentioning Dustin Ackley at some point because he was maybe the most heralded prospect in franchise history since Alex Rodriguez and Ken Griffey Jr. and Maybe not. Spoiler alert, he did not (laughs) live up to that hype at all. He didn't live up to the Ken Griffey Jr. hype? He did not. Not even a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that is what's on the timeline tonight. Coming up next, though, Earl Thomas. Would you want him back in Seattle if his market doesn't develop the way he hopes it would? We'll talk that next. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacey Rost here with you on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coors Light text lines there for you, 710. 710 on uh, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. (laughs) Where else would it be, right? Like, Don't forget to text us, too, for our last segment. Exactly. Uh, ask us anything. That's coming up at 845 tonight. Uh, also coming up in that second hour, one of the weirder college sports, I guess, scams? I could talk about this for the entire show, but we've just we've kept it to one segment. Has this I'm be- going to say scams. Has Absolutely. this become our new fire festival? Or can anything replace well, Fire Festival? Well, I know that we've established the Fire Festival scale. On a scale of 1 to Fire Festival, it's absolutely a Fire Festival. It's a 10. Let's just run down quickly what it involves. It involves... Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky from Full House. It involves fake athletic recruits. USC. USC, Stanford, and a whole lot of money. I'm going to call it a Pac-12 story. Yeah, it's definitely a <laughs> Pac-12 story. Yeah, there's also like Wake Forest is involved, Yale is involved. Well, who cares about them? Exactly. It's schools that you and I couldn't get into. Excuse me. Well, Curtis. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I had a 3.2. So <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's coming up at 8:15. Uh, just one of the craziest stories. You'll ever hear, you'll ever talk about. But another crazy story, at least one that was crazy with the Seahawks organization over the last year, is Earl Thomas and how badly he wanted a new contract last offseason. Didn't get it from the Seahawks organization. But right now, his market on free agency, I don't think it's going the way he had envisioned. I don't think he is currently looking at what he is, I guess the offers he's getting and saying, yeah, this is exactly how I planned it out. I don't think that's how it's going for him. No, and I think it's almost like it wasn't not fair for him to expect a great market, even knowing, I don't know if he uh, 
new kind of safety uh, market versus linebackers, which I know Brock has talked about that KJ Wright was facing a much more favorable market um, than a safety. But even then, I think it was still fair for him to expect a lot. Uh, I think you could still say he was the top safety hitting the market. I know he's 29 turning 30, but um, I mean, he's still a great player. Uh, and still would immediately become one of your best defenders. So uh, I think, I don't know. I don't know that it's that out of whack for him to ask for that much. Am I wrong? I mean, he... Because the thing is, even if you don't get it, why wouldn't you ask for it? Exactly. I think we all want to be the highest paid person in our field at what we do. Well, I don't think that's a team that's desperate enough. Exactly. And if you can find someone that's going to pay you what it is that you want... By all means, go to that organization. Do that. But if you aren't finding that organization that's going to give you the dollar amount that you want or even close to it, then I think it's time for you to reassess maybe what it is that you're worth. It's time to reassess what it is you think you can get out there because we've heard, I guess, whispers of Earl saying he wants $15 million a year. Mm-hmm. And we saw Landon Collins and what he's making from Washington. That's what, about $14 million a year? Mm-hmm. Collins is also five years younger than Earl, and he's a bigger guy than Earl Thomas. Hasn't had the back-to-back season-ending leg breaks right. that Thomas has had uh, over the last couple of seasons, or two out of the last three seasons, I should say. So there's far more upside, I think, in signing Landon Collins with Washington than the team that's going to get Earl Thomas. Now, that, does that mean Thomas is done being an effective player? Absolutely not. We saw it in the short amount of time he was with the Seahawks last year. He was still able to change games. He had, mm-hmm. what, two interceptions against the Cowboys. He had one uh, against the Broncos on in Week 1. This is a guy who still has a lot in the tank, and I think whoever does get him is going to get somebody that's not going to take any plays off. He's not going to be looking out for his, his I guess, future earnings while he's out on the field because, as we saw with him in Seattle, that was such a focus of him off the field, and that's right. why he held out of training camp. But once week one got there, once that first whistle went off, he was all about the game. He was all about playing, at least on Sunday he was, Monday through Saturday, a different story because there were days where he would practice, days he wouldn't practice. But Earl, to me, I think he's going to be somebody that when it comes down to it, when it comes down to game day, he he's, he's a football player. And that's all, he ma- that's all he cares about. Yeah, and I think it's for this reason. I feel like all day, at just at 710 as a whole – throughout the shows, and just in the sports pit, because this has been a big conversation, right? I think all of us were expecting to hear Earl News Monday when the tampering period started, and now it's about to be free agency, and we're still waiting to hear that he's connected to a team. I was expecting him to be the first free agent gone for the Seahawks. Um, But I think now that it's gotten to this point, we've started debating, well, how would you feel about him coming back? Does he fit with the culture that uh, that has always been there, but that Pete Carroll has refocused on? That he's uh, kind of moved on from some older players, and it's it's still his same system, but he's really emphasizing the team building part of it and really emphasizing the excitement part of it. Does he still fit with that? And I still think he could, and it's because yeah. of that. It's because of that on the field presence that he has. And Pete Carroll, to me, he wants guys that I think that if if you take out Thomas's holdout, if they draft him exactly as he is today, I think Pete Carroll loves him. He's got that personality. He's a little weird, but he's so intense. And I think Pete Carroll and John Schneider at the end of the day are trying to find guys that just care about 
leaving it all on the field. And I still think that even with the holdout, Earl Thomas does that. Yeah, you brought up a great question. Does he fit with the Seahawks sort of revamped organizational philosophy or or just revamped depth chart in, in the secondary? For someone as talented as Earl Thomas is, if he is willing to say, yeah, I want to, I want to make things right, I want to be a member of the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks absolutely find a way to fit him in and find a way to bring him in because they, this is an organization that can recognize talent when they see it. And very few people walk in the doors with his talent, with as much talent as Earl Thomas has in his pinky finger. And this is somebody that they know what he is like at his best. And I think they, I think John Schneider and Pete Carroll deep down were sad to see it end the way it did and there may be a feeling on both parties that they want to rectify it we heard from will blackman we'll play that later on tonight at around 8 30 in big if true about earl thomas and where he sits in his negotiations and whether seattle is a possibility but i don't know if this door is closed between earl thomas and the seahawks yeah i think i am I am more curious. I wrote it off as a done deal. Like even when I was writing previews for free agency, I would have like a sentence for Earl Thomas. Like everyone's expecting him to sign elsewhere. He is all but openly said this. Uh, it's been hinted at by other players, including former teammate Richard Sherman. Uh, and and so I wasn't even thinking about it. Now I'm entertaining the idea a bit more. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I also don't think that Seattle would would turn its head and. Even if some fans might feel like, I don't know, betrayed or or however they felt. I see I see angry comments on articles. I, I know how some fans feel. Even if they feel that way, I don't necessarily think the organization feels that way. Um, and I don't think you can write him off as not fitting into the culture when he helped build it. Yeah, I mean, Earl Thomas right now where he sits, I believe Bob Condota earlier today, uh, tweeted out that Earl Thomas, the value that I believe it's the Cowboys are putting on Thomas right now is a little more than $11 million a season, and Thomas is waiting to see if he can get more than that number, that $11 million somewhere else. Dallas has been the apple of his eye for a couple of seasons now. Uh, we all remember when he went into their locker room on Christmas Eve two years ago uh, telling Jason Garrett, come get me. Uh, we've seen him you know, on, on Twitter and, and other places, not hiding his affinity for the Cowboys organization, mm-hmm. how he he didn't back off from when asked about why did you say come get me, you know, he said, you know, I grew up a Cowboys fan, uh, playing for the Cowboys. I know my is, contract's ending. Exactly. I don't know if I've gotten an indication that I'm staying. Yeah. I'm just letting him know. And playing for the Cowboys, I would imagine, for a kid growing up in Orange, Texas, uh, it is a dream of just about any kid that mm-hmm. that grows up in that in that area of the country. The Cowboys are what drives that region of the country. They're the biggest deal in the state of Texas, and it's not even close. It goes Cowboys, Cowboys off season, yeah, and then probably, <laughs> everything yeah, else. and then everything else. Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, yeah. making the squad exactly on CMT. Great show, yeah. That I mean, that's that's a big deal down there as well. But uh, Earl Thomas, would you want him back if his market develops? 
Uh, would you want him here? 253 says, absolutely, positively, yes. I would want Earl here if he could focus on being the best as we know he is. That's coming to us from the 253. Chime in. Coors Light text line there for you, 710-710. But coming up next, the Seahawks, they drop one starting guard today, Jared Sweezy, on his way to Arizona. How important is it to re-sign DJ Fluker now? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacy Rost. 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coors Light text line 710-710. Talking about Earl Thomas, whether you would welcome him back to Seattle if the market sets that up. Text coming in from the 206 says, What marriage do you know that hasn't had a fight? Bring back Earl Thomas. And what did you say? I said, I said, well, what about Harry and Meghan? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Never. The greatest couple, according to our royal family insider, Stacy Ross. By the way, Stacy, I don't know if Jake told you this or not, but Jake and I had a, we thought that you were th- trying to throw everybody off your trail by saying you were going to Cabo, which is like, okay. But sure, that's we, fine. We but... thought you had gotten one of the highly coveted invitations to the Royal Baby Wedding Shower, or the Royal royal Baby Shower. Yeah. Okay, first of all, Meg had the baby shower in New York with her friends. Okay. So, it wasn't in England, but... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really was in Cabo. Okay. But yes, he told me about this conspiracy theory you guys had. Yeah. I'm not crazy. No. We are friends. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it, it it's, might be one of those friendships that's like 100%... And like her zero percent, maybe. But that doesn't mean it's not a friendship. No, friendships are different for everyone. It doesn't, and not everyone has to be the same. Exactly. You let her have her space. She's doing her thing. Exactly. She lets you do her space. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's fine the way it is. I'm happy with it. There we go. Yeah. There we go. But uh, yeah, that's right now here on Seattle Sports at Night. Royal family details you just can't get anywhere else. You can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up in about 15 minutes, it's time for another edition of Four Down Territory. Which departed Seahawk will be missed the most in 2019? We talk that in about 15 minutes. But speaking of departed Seahawks, today we found out that J.R. Sweezy is going to be leaving the Seahawks organization for the second time in his career, this time going to the Arizona Cardinals on a two-year deal. He'll reportedly sign with them when free agency opens up tomorrow. We learned that today, which we talked about uh, Sweezy's absence and, and what that'll mean for the offensive line, but when you see Sweezy leave, does that increase the urgency the Seahawks organization might have in locking up DJ Fluker, who is also an unrestricted free agent, or does this signal a need for the Seahawks to get younger at those positions? Because Sweezy's in his 30s, Fluker's 27. Well, first of all, Sweezy is born in 1989. Yeah. He is turning 30. Turning 30. Those of us born in 1989 oh, my bad. are not in our 30s. Oh, yeah. Curtis. Not yet, at least. No. No. My bad. 
Watch yourself. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know why you'd bring that up. No, it's just yeah. I, I know a lot of facts. Just to anybody who who was born in 1989, who is not a child of the 90s in that way. But you're so close. That's the thing. We yeah. Those people, I mean, are so close to being 90s babies. And the 80s babies don't want us. The 90s babies think we're 45. Uh, it's awful. Yeah. Well, J.R. Sweezy, soon to be 30 years old, will yeah. sign with the Cardinals. DJ Fluger, though, kind of in limbo, hasn't really been, I guess, in anybody's crosshairs right now. And Fluker today took to Twitter, and I think he was venting his frustration a little bit. In fact, he retweeted somebody who at Pete Carroll said, just stop already and sign DJ the Warrior. Mm -hmm. Look, last year the Seahawks averaged... You know some career highs in rushing yards per game, and a rushing and a running back who ran for a thousand yards. Uh, Pete stopped playing around and signed DJ ASAP. Pete, do it. That's DJ Fluker who retweeted him, uh, and then he also said, "I believe in myself. I know what I bring to the table. I am a warrior. I play my butt off. I had to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, censor, censor. Yeah, exactly. It. I'll go get it like always. The passion I got can't be matched. I fear." No, man, which is something I yell at myself in the mirror every day. I'll go get it like always. The passion I got can't be matched. I fear no man. And then I brush my teeth. You know, (laughs) then you eat some yogurt. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Check my, you know, check my Twitter account. Yeah, just scrolling through on my phone. DJ Fluger and I live equally kind of like physical, jacked up lives. Yeah, exactly. Um, But with Sweezy out the door... Does this increase the urgency for the Seahawks to bring back DJ Fluker, or are they now at a position to say, let's go somewhere let's else? Just go without let's, it. let's start all over again. I, if I'm DJ Fluker, or well, if I'm the Seahawks, uh, I, I do want to bring him back. And uh, I think that you, you can try another short term deal if you are comfortable with it. I'm sure if you're DJ Fluger, you want something longer than that and you feel like you've proven yourself. And I think he did give a lot to, to the team this year. He, he came in, he had the same energy throughout. I mean, the day uh, that they signed him, he talked with John Clayton um, on 710 ESPN and just had so much energy in his interview uh, and kept that going throughout. So I think what, what you and I have talked about when we debate stuff like, well, specifically the offensive line, actually, is that the turnaround was one year and they went from around 29th in pass blocking efficiency uh, to around 17 and then became the top rushing team in the league. That's a big turnaround. And the problem is that you had so many factors that changed that you aren't quite sure what's responsible. So you could say, uh, well, it's not DJ Fluker because uh, they brought in Mike Solari and he has a great system and the players have had nothing but good things to say. But then you could play devil's advocate and you can say, well, the three games that DJ Fluker missed were the three games that saw six sacks. And every other game had like around two or three, if not less than that. So um you can certainly tie numbers to his absence, too. So who knows how much weight either argument has. Um, I mean, I tend to think that a coaching change and a system change is usually responsible for the bulk of something, but I don't think you can ignore DJ Fluker's influence uh, and skill on this line. Well, and then the addition of Fluker last year, I think, was due in large part to his familiarity with Mike Solari's blocking scheme because Solari was the Giants' offensive line coach in 2017 
Fluker was on that Giants offensive line. Solari comes over to Seattle. Fluker then follows. I I wonder if Fluker is at a position where he says, like, Solari's my guy. That's who I'm riding with. Wherever he goes, I go. Mm-hmm. Because he gets the best out of me. Fluker, if he goes somewhere without Solari and kind of reverts back to that bust label that so many people had given Fluker over the first couple of seasons in his career when he was with San Diego and then he went to the Giants, wasn't able to shake that at all, comes to Seattle, has the best year of his career, you wonder if Fluker's mindset is, man, I would love to be back in Seattle, but by judging judging his tweets, it sounds like the Seahawks may not want him back. Or that they haven't. We don't know. Or, or they that haven't they haven't made an offer that he... <clears throat> I have a hard time believing the team makes no offers. Like, if, if I'm a team, I'm making an offer that I'm comfortable with. It just may not be what you want. And he still, I mean, he was a first-round pick. Uh, I know that he didn't have the career that he wanted uh, with San Diego, but it's still... Uh, well, then San Diego. Yeah. But, um, I mean, if I'm him, I'm still... I'm still asking for more, and you're asking for as much as you can get. So, yeah, I think it's it's so tough because it's like come free agency. All we can do is read into tweets half the time. But it's very speculative. But if we are, that's what it's telling us, right? Exactly. And athletes themselves love some, uh, you know, some tweets that aren't going to pinpoint anything. They love tweets that really keep you guessing. DJ Fluker, you know, he did us a service by retweeting people who were directly adding Pete Carroll right. and directly tagging DJ and the Seahawks in those tweets. Uh, very, it's a refreshing change of pace to see someone be as upfront as Fluker is being right now. Whereas Frank Clark's Twitter, which is very entertaining in itself, but like artistically vague. Yeah, like it's performance art. In I'm not a way. mad at it. No, like. You've got to really like get a decoder ring going, or like wear those those three D glasses that come on the box, the back of a box of cereal, and hold those up right. to the tweets. That's when you really know what he's going to be talking about. Then you figure it out. Exactly. Uh, a couple of texts coming in on the Coors Light text line, Stacy. I mean, I'm not going to say you specifically are getting love, but the eight one three says the eighty nine fam shall unite. Hashtag still not thirty. I will say, I also from the 425 got, wait, I'm 45. Trust me, we don't want to be grouped with someone born in 89. Well, I'm now that, sorry. What's, what's that all about? What, what is that all about? We're forever alone. That's what I'm saying. We're just isolated. You're, We're isolated people. Your society. I'm digging the hole deeper. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's not good. That's not good. We, we, we'll find a spot for you, Stacey, just as hopefully we'll find a spot for DJ Fluker. I'm cool with my 89 fam. We got a yeah. lot of people. Earl Thomas, J.R. Sweezy. That's all I can think of right now, but there's probably more. Yeah, exactly. Keep tweeting at okay. us if you were born in 1989. Don't. Don't. We'll get so many of you out there. Uh, that's that's something to look forward to uh, coming up in this hour. But we finish out this first hour as we always do. It's the first half. It's the end of the first half, which means it's four-down territory. you got to score a touchdown before heading into the locker room. 
We're going to try our best next. It's time for some four-down territory. A lot of huge contracts getting thrown around in this legal tampering period. Does that make you concerned about the futures of Bobby Wagner and Frank Clark in Seattle? We ask that next in four-down territory. It's Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacy Ross right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, deep, deep. Four football questions to cap off this first half of Seattle Sports at Night. Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here with you. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Russell Westbrook getting into some hot water with a Utah Jazz fan. That Utah Jazz fan getting into some more hot water himself. We'll talk that coming up. In about 15 minutes, but right now, Stacy, it is time to go for downs. Number one. First down to you, Stacy. Here we go. Few Seahawks have departed already in free agency. We're not even at the official free agency window. We're still in the legal tampering process, but which soon-to-be departed Seahawk will be missed most in 2019? I think yesterday, when Jake Heaps and I talked about this, both of us said Justin Coleman, without a doubt. And and that even looking at the full list of unrestricted free agents, it would be Justin Coleman who would have the biggest impact. I think now, I still think his impact is looms large over this roster, but I'm kind of leaning towards J.R. Sweezy. Um, I, if they can't retain D.J. Fluker, uh, I think you start to wonder who fills in at those guard spots and whether they have the talent they need. Um, They've drafted a lot of linemen. Uh, Not a ton of them have worked out. Obviously, they have a different coordinator now, um, and they took a big step forward as a unit last year. I think that what you hope is that if your new identity is going to be as a running team, you need to bolster that line. And it's one thing to lose one starter, but if you start losing another guard and then worrying about someone else getting injured, you run into some problems. Now, does the progress the Seahawks offensive line showed in 2018 – under first-year O-line coach Mike Solari, does that give you more of a, a good vibe heading into 2019, even if they do lose Fluker and Sweezy? Yeah, I mean, I I think there were a mix of a lot of things. I don't think it was solely uh, Fluker or solely Sweezy that was responsible for any of it. I think the unit, just as a whole, just was refurbished, and uh, I don't know what changed. I mean, they talked a lot about uh, Solari just simplifying and then instilling a kind of mentality that he just drove home every single day, nonstop. Um, and maybe starting from the ground up with things worked. I don't know. I, but uh, I would think that that mentality is still there, even with those two guys gone. But it helps to have the talent. Number two. Second down to you. Now, we've seen a ton of money get thrown around over the last couple of days through that legal tampering period. Does that, though, make you concerned about how difficult it could be to retain Bobby Wagner and Frank Clark beyond this season? A little bit. I think, uh, I still think Frank Clark, either they'll they'll reach something or he'll just play with the franchise tag. I don't think that he'll, he'll sit out and not play. Like, I really don't see that happening. Um, so for this season, I think you'll have both players no matter what. But it does make me concerned for next year. And for that matter, for Russell Wilson. I think those three players are facing some of the biggest price tags that you've seen on this team. Unsurprisingly, the cap goes up every year, and we know that. 
But even then, it feels like this first, not even two days of free agency, but of the legal tampering period, have had some eye-popping numbers. So to me, I don't know if you feel this way, but some of the more surprising ones were those linebacker numbers. Um, So Quan Alexander signed on a four-year, $54 million deal. Anthony Barr briefly was reported as yeah. going to the Jets. Flirted with the Jets. Flirted with the Jets. But, I mean, stood him up. could you blame him? I mean, I wouldn't want to play for the Jets. Imagine showing up to a bar and it's the Jets. Ooh. I know. Yeah. You turn around. You're right? swiping through. You're like, Ooh. yeah, this is this, all right. Yeah. From afar, I yeah. look okay in green. You show up. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, but he's getting now with Minnesota a five-year, $67.5 million deal. So um, I think when you're looking at Bobby Wagner – what makes the conversation different for both Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson than it is for Frank Clark is that Bobby Wagner is statistically, just undeniably, the top linebacker in the league. I know that Luke Keekley gets thrown in there a lot, but he was consistently rated as the top linebacker by Pro Football Focus. Uh, and no matter how much another back gets paid, you have to think that he's going to be looking at a bigger number. Now, granted... Uh, Spot Tracks account said about Quan Alexander's, his mega payday may not be so mega. His deal includes $14.5 million guaranteed at signing all in 2019. So if need be, the 49ers can move on before 2020 with just a $3 million dead cap hit. And you mentioned an interesting point where some of these mega deals aren't just that big. Don't get sidetracked by those numbers. The Seahawks may be able to work out a deal that looks smaller on the front but might have more guaranteed money. Number three. Third down here in four down territory. Stacey Ross, Seahawks insider. Which one Seahawks player needs to take the biggest step forward in 2019? Tell me if you agree with me. I, yes. Because there's a couple candidates. Okay. Uh, Jake Heaps convinced me yesterday, uh, so I'm sold on this point. And I'm going to say Rashad Penny. And it's not really a surprise, but uh, I think he just has... A high ceiling, so you want to see more from him. It's not someone where you're like, hey, you really need to step up because we don't know what else to do here. If you're a coaching staff, you're saying, hey, we used a lot of draft capital on you, and you showed us a lot on tape. Not only that, but we now just lost our number two back, Mike Davis. And so we've got you and Chris Carson, and they're really the only two kind of power running backs. I mean, other than them, you've got J.D. McKissick and C.J. Prosize, both of whom are talented the latter of whom has been unable to stay healthy. Both of them can help in a passing game. But they make their pay outside of the tackles. Exactly. So uh, I think you really want to see from him uh, just just more yardage, more runs, more game time. I do agree. I think Rashad Penny is that guy. Uh, but another guy I think also on the offense uh, is David Moore. I think for this Seahawks offense – to really get to another level, they're going to need someone to step up in that wide receiver core because it looks like they're not going to be addressing that in free agency, at least not right away. We saw it with Baldwin and Lockett. They had great production in 2019. But beyond that, there wasn't a whole lot there out of the wide receiver group. I'm looking at that group as one that really needs to get going beyond the steady hands of Lockett and Baldwin. Number four. Fourth down. We're going to punch this one in. We're putting seven on the board. Stacy. free agency officially kicks off tomorrow. Players are able to sign their deals that they've agreed to with over this last 48 hours. What's the first position you want to see the Seahawks address 
when free agency does actually begin. So you aren't going to like this because I think this isn't anywhere near the top one or two priorities of this team. But I kind of want to see a wide receiver. Okay. I kind of just want to mix it up. All right. Let's make it fun. Let's get wild. Yeah. Let's go out there. Let's, let's get a braid let's our do hair it. and yeah. get an ear piercing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's do it. Let's, oh man. Let's get a henna tat. Yeah. <laughs> that would wash be the off. wide receiver yeah. selection. It's just like, ooh, let's take a risk or for a small like, one. Or it's like you find yourself one a.m. at the tattoo parlor, and your friends are like, "Dude, are, yeah, you, are, sure you, are you sure you sure about this? Do this?" Yes, I've wanted one so bad my entire life. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. No. No. Okay. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it. I mean, I think. I think I want to see uh, defense. Absolutely, the defensive side of the ball, and then specifically defensive end addressed first in the draft. But for free agency, knowing they're probably going to make small moves that go under the radar, I wouldn't mind. I feel like kind of a low cost wide receiver. I think it was a, a couple weeks ago here. Jay Keeps did mention that if the Seahawks were to go off the radar in the draft this year with their first pick, just as they did a year ago when no one had them picking Rashad Penny. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that wide receiver would be that position he could see the Seahawks going off the board for. Uh, I, I think it speaks to, I guess, where that position is for the Seahawks. How I mentioned it uh, in question three on third down, which player I think the Seahawks need to take a big step forward being David Moore or at least somebody in that wide receiver group. You saying that that's the first position you want to see the Seahawks address in free agency on the offensive side of the ball. With the loss of J.R. Sweezy today, I think O-line and wide receiver are the spots where the Seahawks still need to look at. Yeah. Because I I think they have fewer holes to fill on the offensive side of the ball. But if they go into opening day 2019 just as is, that's not ideal. Right. And I don't know if you can get a starting guard later this season when you start bringing guys into training camp. Yeah, that's not going to be uh, an easy task. But that is four down territory here on Seattle Sports at Night. By the way, you can check out the podcast at 710sports.com. Every single show is available for you there. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Seattle Sports at Night is there waiting for you. So what are you doing? Subscribe. Click subscribe. I mean, it's... And give us five stars. Exactly. Five stars. A no nice less. review. Yeah, no less. Five only. If you don't give us five stars, don't give us any. Yeah, just... But preferably give us five. Yeah, we, we would really enjoy that. <laughs> uh, coming up next, why do fans continue to be shocked when athletes respond to their trash talk? The NBA had a situation last night. We talked that next. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Ross right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.